We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Saturday night after the Wolves beat the Portland Trail Blazers on the back end of a back-to-back by 14 points. Final score tonight was Wolves 135, Blazers 121. As we've been talking about here for the last few days, this is the time in the schedule for the Wolves to make their move if they are going to make a move in the standings here. I played OKC on Friday, Portland tonight, Portland again on Monday, OKC again, and then Orlando. This is this is a great opportunity to go on a run. But it also kind of comes with this weird baggage of winning each of these games being the strong expectation. I mean, after seeing the, the quality of just the, the tanking Thunder and the tanking Blazers these past two nights, like a loss in either of these next two games against the Thunder and the Blazers is is going to really sting. But to the Wolves' credit, like there's there's no real signs of that coming. They've taken care of business thus far in these first two games, beating OKC by 37 last night, and then tonight taking care of Portland by 14. And the difference in tonight's game for the Wolves compared to Friday night uh, against OKC was that the Wolves also had some players out tonight too. Uh, both OKC and Portland were missing half their teams in the two games, so it's it's nowhere near that bad for the Wolves or any sort of excuse, really, but it did kind of change the, the dynamic of how the Wolves played tonight, being without Anthony Edwards again, and then Patrick Beverly also rested a nagging ankle injury tonight. So they were with, without two starters to start the game, and then Tor- Torian Prince... Got back spasms in the first half, didn't return, and Malik Beasley was ejected from the game four minutes into the third quarter. Again, I'm not comparing the Wolves' woes to Portland's woes in terms of injury tonight, but I I say that to highlight the fact that the Wolves had to play a very different group of players and a very that go to a very different rotation tonight. And along those lines, like the place I want to start is where I think we saw the biggest rotational change and impact happen. And that was with that was with Jalen Noel. Since Edwards has been out, Noel has been back in the rotation for the Wolves, but previously kind of in a, a very small role. Tonight that role was was far bigger with both Ant and Pat Bev out. And then it really opened up in the second half once Prince and Beasley went down and Noel took the minutes and ran with it 
In the second half, Noel checked in six minutes into the third quarter, and he never came back out of the game. Played 18 straight minutes, and in those minutes, Noel scored 19 second-half points, made three threes, and had three and ones. I mean, Noel has gone off before this season, but this, I thought, was his most multifaceted offensive performance of the year. Not only shooting, not only attacking, but finding really a good mix of both. Here's Finch after the game talking about the rhythm Noel caught tonight. You talk about the bench. Um, it's been a big talk. Yeah. They, they've all stood out, but Jalen Noel in this yeah. one tonight, how he was able to step up and you guys are shorthanded. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we, needed, we needed more than ever tonight. Uh, Touring, going out and losing bees. We need the scoring. We need the shot creation. And, um, you know, he's very, very good at that. Uh, and, you know, it was a game where, like, kind of everybody at one point or another kind of stepped up and made things happen. Like, Mando had his run, Jalen had his run, Cat had, you know, obviously his run was had multiple ones, but guys really kind of stepped up and got hot at the right time. Jalen was a good example of that. Obviously, the question that comes up after Noel plays like this is, you know, how do you keep this guy in the rotation? How do we get this to happen again? I mean, you watch a performance like that from an OL, and it just seems like it would be crazy to pull them back out of the rotation once they're back at full strength. But at the same time, like I kind of think Noel doesn't go back into the rotation once they're they're back healthy. Like I'm not saying that's exactly necessarily what I would do, but I think that's a you know kind of a prediction based on what we've how we've seen Finch go about that. Like I think what has become clear with Noel is that he needs time, like minutes on the floor to catch a rhythm and he needs he also needs like some bandwidth in the offense that he can claim as his own to have a night like he did tonight like think back on the really good games from Jalen Noel this season those are pretty much all in the games where there was just a lot of guys out and Noel had that bandwidth to kind of go and cook and once you get guys back healthy if any if Noel's in the rotation at all he probably goes back to like an eight minutes a night type of role. And in that role, it's, you're not just going to come in and give like eight minutes of eight minutes of what he gave tonight. It, it's almost impossible to catch a rhythm within those minute restrictions. And Jalen Noel is a rhythm type of player. Plus, when you have higher usage guys like Ant back out there around Noel, Noel gets kind of pushed into more of a tertiary role on offense. And if he's not impacting the offense at that point, he almost becomes a negative impact player because you know he's his impact is just more felt on the defensive side of the floor than it is the offensive side of the ball. I, I do feel like Jalen Noel is a legit bench player in the NBA. I mean, I, I think he is the type of player, though, where you you almost need to build your bench roster around him. You kind of like Jamal Crawford back in the day or Lou Williams with the Clippers or even like Derek Rose with the Knicks right now. Like Noel needs to have a relatively big role to be relatively impactful. And again, I, I do believe he could be a consistently productive player in that role if he was given it. But he just very much does not have that type of role on this team when they're healthy. Does that make sense? Like the idea that Noel almost has to be a 20 minutes a night player or nothing. 
I don't know. I, I guess this is one of those good problems to have things, right? Like as well as Noel has played tonight, like the guys he could possibly replace in the rotation are Jordan McLaughlin, Malik Beasley, Torian Prince. Like those guys have all been playing great for the map past what like six weeks. I don't know. I'm I'm very interested to see how Finch handles this and you know, maybe if Torian has to miss some time or whatever, like maybe there's just a one guy injured every night and Noel is able to kind of stay in one of these type of roles. Um, it'll be, you know, it's gonna require some finagling by Finch. But beyond that, like big picture, I'm just interested to see how committed this Wolves front offense is to Noel beyond this summer. Like, will they carve out that bigger role for Noel on the bench next season? Or will or will Noel not even be back? I mean, we were talking last night about how Nas Reed could become a free agent this summer if the Wolves turned down his team option to make him a restricted free agent. And it's the exact same setup for Noel. He's on that same Gupta special contract where he's on the books for $1.9 million next season, and they also have that team option that they could turn down to make him a restricted free agent this summer. I mean, I'll be fascinated to see how they handle that when the, when the offseason comes around. And and if Noel does become a restricted free agent, it will be interesting to see what type of offers he receives from other teams on the market. Outside of Noel, if we're looking for, for other areas of this team being impacted by the absence of Anthony Edwards, I think the two most glaring things to point at are Cat's usage spike and his scoring going way up in these three games without Ant. And then also... Jade McDaniels just taking on a much more consistent role that consistently asks him to make an offensive impact. We're going to pretty much exclusively talk about Cat in the second half of the show because I want to give that a little bit longer of a run. Cat was awesome tonight. So let's hit on that McDaniels bit a little bit. To be fair, I think it would be unfair to say that this recent uptick from McDaniels is exclusively a product of Amp being out. I mean, McDaniel started rolling prior to the All-Star break and Edwards was playing back then. But McDaniels has been elevated to the starting lineup in place of Ant these past three games. And we're getting a different look at him now playing with different personnel, playing around Cat, playing around D'Lo, rather than playing around Nas and J-Mac. Offensively, what McDaniel started doing with the bench group a few weeks ago, you know, attacking the rim more off the dribble, firing from three more confidently, he is doing that same thing with the first unit around Cat and D'Lo, which I think is super encouraging to see sort of scale. And it really makes you wonder, like, how much longer will they keep McDaniels in a bench role? Like, how much longer until he passes Pat Bev on the pecking order? Is that the end of the season? Is that this summer? Is that next season? I don't know. The other thing I've really liked about McDaniels playing more with the starters, though, probably even, I don't know if I want to say more than the offense, but I've really liked the defense. The Wolves are switching a lot more recently, and holy shit, Vanderbilt and McDaniels as switch partners is legit scary. Like, in the fourth quarter tonight, the Wolves put Vanderbilt on Anthony Simons, and then, you know, when they would go up to screen for Simons, McDaniels would be the one switching with Vanderbilt onto Simons like that is 
That is such a difficult switch to handle. If you're the ball handler, like you're being guarded by a big, strong 6'9 guy who's also fast enough to move his feet and Vando. And then you get him off of you with a screen only to have Jade McDaniels like Grim Reaper body come out and haunt you like that's 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 tough. Uh, I asked McDaniels about that after the game. Here's Jaden. You guys are switching a lot more recently as a, as a team, which puts you in switch situations sometimes. Do you, do you prefer to be on the ball or the player switching? Uh, it really doesn't. I don't have a preference, really. Just do whatever I can, do it right. Are you enjoying getting the opportunities in those switch situations? It just seems like the way they're, they're putting you is you're in that spot more often. Yeah, it is just... Uh, it's helping me uh, get better off the ball as well, like exile situation and stuff. So just kind of taking advantage. Another way to take advantage of that switching when McDaniels is out there with the starters is by not needing to have him be the one who's on the ball at all times. Like like we said before, when he's out there with Vando, like Vando can take some of the primary ball handler defensive reps. Same thing with Pat Bev when he plays. And the more... Not that Jaden isn't very good on ball, but the more Jaden is off ball, the fewer fouls he can get called for defending on the perimeter, which is, I mean, blocking calls on the perimeter is is certainly where we see a ton of McDaniel's ticky-tack fouls, like, rack up. I mean, you can't use tonight's game as any sort of proof, but, you know, McDaniel's didn't have any foul trouble tonight, which we all know is a rarity. On both sides of the both sides of the ball, like a bright side of a bright, I don't know, bright side, glass half full, whatever. Something positive that's come out of the Anthony Edwards missing these three games is seeing more of Jaden McDaniels, like a big usage spike on offense and a slightly different role on defense. And I just think stuff is really worth monitoring with his kids like Cat, Adilo and Ant, like they get all the shine as the best players on this team. And sometimes we forget that Jaden McDaniels is the future of this team. I mean, the future of this team with those other guys, but Jaden is firmly a significant part of this team's future. All right, let's mix in a quick break here, and then we'll finally get to Cat, who who I thought was the real story of tonight's game. He scored 36 points and made all 13 of the two-point shots he took in this one. Back in a minute. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. 
All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' 14-point win over the Portland Trailblazers on Saturday night. As I said before the break, this game was about Jalen Noel, but the real driver of the win tonight was Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, the Blazers came out running that super poor man's version of the defense, the Utah Jazz, running against the Wolves with Rudy Gobert, where they guard Cat with a small, and then they have the center come over to double. Well, the small matched up on Cat tonight was CJ Ellaby, who is six foot six in shoes. And then Drew Eubanks was the poor man's version of Gobert for the Blazers lurking off of Vanderbilt to bring the double on to Cat. And as you know, as we've seen a ton this year, a lot of teams have done that. That defense always does early on sort of tamp down Cat's usage, like in the first quarter. Like tonight, Cat only shot four shots in the first quarter. And that's because when he's in that spot, he's looking to be a passer out of the double. But then we saw Cat do what he does once he recognizes that defense and he eventually moves to the free throw line at the nail or to the top of the key and he becomes a driver. You can't you can't double him out there. And tonight, as a driver, Cat was literally unstoppable. He took 13 two-point shots and he made 13 two-point shots. And leaning into the drive element of his game has come to define Carl's offensive game this season. And it's become it's become his most important weapon. You know, not because his three-point shot has gotten worse or anything like that, but because he just drives way more than he shoots threes. I asked Kat about that transition to the drive after tonight's game. You didn't miss a two tonight. Um, it's been just so much more driving this year for, for your, for your two-point offense. I'm curious for like you in your head, when did it become clear to you that you're like, all right, this is going to be my way this season that I'm scoring with in the arc? Honestly, it was early in the year when I wasn't making threes. So I just became a driver. I really didn't want to fall in love too much with a three-point shot. Um, it wasn't falling, so if that's not working, let's utilize the other facets of my game offensively. So, um, you know, just trying to dominate. Like I said, uh, every time I come to the court, I'm thinking about domination. I'm trying to think about how, where can I get to my spots? Where can I really impose my will? Um, just tonight was one of those nights, um, understanding what the players are missing. Uh, I wanted to try to really um, get to the paint and, and do what I've been doing really well these past games in the season. So um, just using a lot of utilizing my size, my touch, um, quickness, just trying to get to where I want to go. Um, I think that Finch has opened up another part of my game, giving me the, uh, the, the Dirk, the Dirk, I guess you want to call it the Dirk spot, the middle right there at the free throw line. He gives me a clear one-on-one. Um, it's hard to double team from there. And I've said it before. I don't think anyone's league can guard me one-on-one. So it really allows me to do what I do best. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. Like compared to the post, like you have your back to the defense, so it's yeah, and it's also harder. You know, it's also harder to get it in. I mean, let's be honest that our plays are not very. Uh, it's not very a lot of movement and trickery when we're saying we're throwing it into the post. It's more of just like look at Carl, we're throwing it in. So you know, it's not kind of like force feeding. Guys are already getting ready to come double team. By the time the ball's in the air from D'Lo or J Mac or Jalen, they're already there. So I'm now. Looking the past uh, recent games, obviously because of Hannah, I'm looking to be more aggressive. So I've been splitting the double team more. Uh, I'm scared to do it more often because of a foul being called, offensive foul. So uh, 
you know, just trying to be smart with the game. I, just trying to do anything I can um, to, to find ways to, even with a double team or whatever, to still get to my spot and impose my will. At some point, I'm going to have to go through on Synergy and tally up the difference in post-up frequency for Cat, you know, this year compared to the drive to with past seasons. But really, I mean, we've been watching these games. We know this way of using Cat that Finch is doing is extremely different than it was under Tibbs, than it was under Saunders. I mean, you also just watch these games or listen to Cat, and you know his preference now is very clearly not to operate in the post. And it's not that he's not a good post player anymore. Post-ups are just more burdensome, burdensome and particularly so when he gets doubled almost every time. You know, that's just, it's way more work for Cat to score or find a bucket when he's in a post-up situation these days. You know, operating from that Dirk mid-range zone, as he calls it, is it's just way less work. And it has been similarly effective to the post. And then the drive game, like, yeah, that is work. That's tough. But at a lighter weight this season and a growing confidence in that drive, it's it has just become more of a weapon for Cat. And Cat's preference to drive rather than post up, it kind of reminds me of how we've talked about his preferences on defense, that preference to go out and guard on the perimeter rather than playing drop coverage. With Cat, it's just, it's often not about what he's good at. He's pretty much good at everything. It's more about getting him to do what he wants to do. Because when he's doing something he wants, like history tells us, he's just so much more consistent executing that element of his game. The drive is clearly what Cat wants to do this season. Another big Cat topic in the post-game presser tonight, kind of out of nowhere, but it, it ended up being pretty cool, uh, was just Cat talking about leadership and specifically his style of leadership, which I think we've all seen sort of evolve this season. Britt asked Cat about which former teammates have most influenced his current leadership style. And I'll just say, as forewarning, uh, this Cat response is very long, but I can't really clip it up in any way because I want you to hear, uh, there's just, there's some interesting nuggets dispersed through this uh, four minute clip. So bear with me. Here's Cat. You've been around for a while now. Who among your teammates or former teammates has been a role model for you in terms of leadership? Who helped you when you were young in terms of understanding what a leader is in an NBA team? Um, I would say there, there, I think when I was growing up, there was a man, well, boy, uh, my point guard on my high school team, his name was Jim Long. Shout out to him getting married. We're, I'm not going to make it because we'll be in the playoffs. Um, he just really taught me what it is to be a leader. He, he led every single day. You know, he led by example. I was a freshman. I didn't know any better. I, I played with the DR team. I mean, I knew what a leadership was, you know. I played up my whole entire life, so I've never been the oldest guy in the group. You know, I've always was the young guy who had the talent, but wasn't, like, the leader, you know. It was kind of just the talent on the team. Um, DR team, I had Jack Michael Martinez, Francisco Garcia, you know, some really good leaders, but they taught me a different type of leadership, more of an international leadership. Uh Jack talked, Jack Michael taught me more international, you know, kind of a little different than that's going to fly in the NBA. And Francisco taught me, you know, more of the NBA side, how people and Eagles, you know, react to certain types of leadership. So uh, I had those, those guys as mentors too. Al Horford's a great, I mean, it was a, a fabulous mentor, but I think more important than anything, Al taught me how to lead by example and how to lead 
by taking care of myself, my body, so that I can be out there every single day playing at a high level because you can't leave if you're not out there. So um, he taught me that. But Jim Malone, when I was in high school, he, he, he taught me what it was to be a leader, just the positivity he brought every day, the way he the way he pushed me and everyone to be better. And it wasn't even through rah-rah, screaming, cursing at people or anything. It was from a smile aspect that you you just don't want to disappoint him. It was like a dad. You didn't want to disappoint him. So um, just kind of taking him. I mean, he, he gave up his meniscus for my for my junior, for my senior. No, ju- senior. No, junior, junior. But I didn't have a soft, I didn't have a junior. So it was my sophomore slash junior. He gave up his meniscus. So I got the best chance to win a state title. And I'll never forget that. So um, he just taught me that whatever it takes to win the game and to be there with your brothers, you, you have to do. And especially if you want to be called the best player on the court. So he taught me a lot, you know. And then coming in, I had KG, Tayshawn Prince, Andre Miller. Um, Pat is a great example of another way of leading. And I love the way he does it. Um, Taj Gibson, you know, I, I've had, I've been fortunate to go down, to go down with more people about how leading us truly, true leadership. You know, I've seen it from a rah-rah aspect. I've seen it from a smile aspect. I've seen it from an example aspect. I've seen it from just being yourself, you know. And uh, I think for me to talk to me out right now, saying that long-winded answer, I think my maturation as a leader has come from um, so many people, media included, let's be real, you know, telling me that a leader is this, leader is that, and then me trying to change who I am as a person to meet what the narrative of what a leader in this world would truly, I don't think anyone in this world truly knows what a leader truly is, um, trying to meet what their expectations or, na- or narrative was about what a leader is and that I had to match that. And I realized taking steps back that I heard so many voices from so many people in Minnesota, media, anyone trying to tell me how I should be a leader, how, how the leader they, that they want me to be. I never thought about how I wanted to do it my way. And I've always thought my way was by example and saying things when they need to be said, not just rah-rah and all the time and everybody leave that back, back out that. But when there's certain times where it has to be emphasized, that's when I come in. He's right. No, I don't like that. Or he, you guys need to get this, this, this stuff right. That's when I step in. I show by example, being the first one in, being the last one out, doing what I'm supposed to do, you know? So, um, so all, all the same, at the end of my maturation as a leader has come from trusting myself and my talents and not trying to make myself to someone else's product, being my own product, growing. So that's what's getting less of a Yeah. Carl, it feels like you're saying like, I mean, just more comfortable in your own skin, just knowing who, like who you are and not trying to please yeah. other people. Yeah. Doing it your way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just being me, you know, not, you know, I think sometimes I, I, I try I have family members that everyone's trying to tell me how they want me to lead, how they want me to be the leader they want, instead of being the leader that I know I need to be for this team and being myself. So um, shout out to just great friends, a great support system, and uh, a great mother. I think you all probably see it too when you're at games or watching at home, but I'll just say from my perspective that I think Kat is so very clearly this year the most comfortable he's ever been in his own skin. He did used to lead or act in the ways that people were telling him to act or lead. He tried to be more stoic. He tried to be more rah-rah. He tried to be more 
demonstrative, but you could really tell when he was doing those things or when he was saying things in the press conference, he was doing what he thought people wanted to see or what they wanted to hear. And he was not going to his natural instinct. Like as a personality archetype, Cat is a pleaser. And sometimes we've seen that sort of tilt towards vanity. But I think the frequency of those vain moments on the floor and press conferences, wherever, have significantly dropped for Cat this season. And conversely, like the frequency of the times where he's just being the goofy version of himself have, have gone up. I mean, I think that's just who he is and who he wants to be deep down. And I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of different factors have gone into that more authentic mode he seems to have tapped into. Different coach, different teammates, older, more mature. He's also kind of learned, I think, that when he tries to take up different types of leadership stances that he's not not very good at it or let or at least that he just knows he's better when he's being himself like a professional version of himself but an authentic version of himself and i think it's unsurprising that being more that way has led to his most impactful season of his career on both sides of the ball and to that end it's it's no surprise that when your best player is having the best year of his career that the team is simultaneously right moving up in the standings and Damn, I hope this like <laughs> this more aggressive version of himself that he says he's bringing out Nat's aunt's absence like he probably hold on to that. Don't don't forget about that. In these last 3 games without Ant, Cat is averaging 32 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists, and he's made 30 of his 42 point shots over those 3 games. I mean, 75% is like insane for like Rudy Gobert who just dunks the ball the cat is taking difficult two-point shots and he well he didn't miss one tonight and has been just on an absolute heater scoring the ball driving to the basket these three games all right let's close out tonight with some prize picks i made four picks did not do well only got one right speaking of cat i picked against cat having a big night tonight his over under total on points plus rebounds plus assists was 40 and a half and with 36 points, 15 rebounds, and five assists, he he smoked that total. I also took the over on one and a half made threes for Cat, and somehow he scored 36 points, shot 77% from the field, but didn't make a single three. So we missed both of our Cat props. Uh, I also took the over on three and a half free throw makes for D'Angelo Russell. I took that last night, too, because we've been talking about how Deal has just been far more aggressive since the All-Star break, attacking the basket. And that had been leading to a higher free throw total lately. But tonight, uh, Dilo was not in that mode. He was much more in passing mode, quarterback in the offense. He only had 14 points, only two made free throws. But Dilo did have 15 assists in the game. So the only pick I got correct tonight was the over on five and a half rebounds for CJ Ellaby for the Blazers. Ellaby got substantial run tonight, guarding Towns. Played 28 minutes, pulled down nine rebounds. So that was one and three on the night. Drops me to 136, 114, and 10 on the season. If you don't yet have a prize picks account and are interested in trying some daily fantasy prop picks, I would recommend checking out prize picks. Super easy to sign up at prizepicks.com or on the prize picks app. They'll throw you a $100 sign up bonus if you sign up using the promo code Dane, just my first name when you create an account at prizepicks.com. I unfortunately have uh, no good news to report in the Wolves standings watch. 
The Mavs won today against Sacramento by one point. I don't think Luka Doncic played in that game, but the Mavs still get the win. So the Wolves remain three and a half games behind Dallas for the five seed. The Nuggets did not play tonight, so the Wolves cut it to a two-game deficit behind Denver. Uh, Unfortunately, it's kind of like one of those fake two-game deficits where the Wolves have actually just played more games than the Nuggets have. They're actually three games behind Denver in the loss column, which is probably the best way to look at this right now. So still a lot of work to do there to, to catch Denver or Dallas. But I will point out that even though the Wolves aren't making up games on Dallas and Denver over this winning stretch, because those teams are winning too, they do still play Dallas two more times this year and Denver one more time. So there's they don't control their own destiny, but there is a blip of controlling their own destiny in those three matchups. We're, we're just at the point where the Wolves are going to need to continue to take bit, take care of business against these tanking teams. Next three, again, are against Portland, OKC, and Orlando. And I think if the Wolves want the sixth seed, you probably got to win all three of those games. And then when the time comes, you got to beat Dallas twice and Denver. Like Those are beginning to feel like, I don't know, those aren't reasonable expectations, but those are feeling beginning to feel like the requirements for actually making this six seed thing happen. The Wolves have met expectations since the All-Star break. They're five and one in these first six games since the break, and they do have a real chance to drive that up further. Next up is Portland again on Monday. We will see if Anthony Edwards is available to play in that one. Either way, I will talk to you then. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Until Monday, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.